Being a spiritual person isn't about faking perfection. It's about having the humility to admit your flaws. My name is Andrea, and this is Adult Child. Welcome back to Adult Child, where we take a deep dive into the impact of growing up in a dysfunctional family. Hello, dear shit shows. Buckle up. Now, I know I say that probably too much, but truly buckle up today. We are diving deep with Louisa, a fellow shit show, and this is going to be a wild ride. This might be a little out there for some of y'all. We're talking about psychedelics, we're talking about sex cults, we're talking about attacking people in the street. This interview, I think, has something for everyone. So Louisa reached out to me on Instagram. It was probably a year ago. She had found the podcast. She sent me these these voice DMs. And I remember thinking after I listened to them, I was like, this girl is either a really fucking interesting person or this girl is batshit crazy. Uh, so then we ended up talking on the phone and I realized that she was not batshit crazy and in fact, a very interesting human. So first I want to provide a little info, context on some of the stuff we're going to be talking about. So we're talking about ayahuasca. Now I'm assuming that most of y'all are familiar with ayahuasca, but for anyone who's not, I wanted to just provide a little info. So ayahuasca is a plant-based psychedelic and it is brewed using two different plants. And it has been used by the indigenous people of South America as a ceremonial spiritual practice for many, many, many years. And so it's brewed like tea and when consumed, it causes an altered state of consciousness, including hallucinations and altered perceptions of reality. So we've talked about the use of psychedelics in treating trauma and depression, and there's a lot of research going on now showing how effective it is. And so one of the chemicals that they study is DMT, which is the active chemical in ayahuasca. So ayahuasca is known to affect the deeper regions of the brain where our trauma is encoded. Um, in ways that may parallel somatic experiencing. A lot of people have repressed trauma that comes to the surface. And actually, this happened to Louisa. We didn't even get into that in the interview. That's how much much juice she has. But she did. She had childhood sexual abuse, repressed sexual abuse come to the surface from, from doing ayahuasca ceremonies. And so... I'd say in the past 10 or 15 years, it's become trendy, these ayahuasca ceremonies. You have all these people from the U.S. that are paying thousands of dollars to go fly down to uh, South America to do these ceremonies with the shamans. But as is the case, when money gets involved, especially in kind of the spiritual territory, that's where that's where things get a little dicey, you know, a little shady. So there's just a lot of, there's a lot of great things going on and there's a lot of good healing going on there too, but there's also a lot of unethical shit that is happening within this ayahuasca community as well, as far as 
taking advantage of people, sexual abuse, people pretending like they're shamans when they're really not. So uh, there's a lot of controversy there too. And another issue with it is that it's often used as an attempt at spiritually bypassing. So people looking for a quick fix. They're going to fly down there. They're going to do this, you know, ayahuasca ceremony, and then they're going to be good. Using psychedelics to treat trauma, it's, it's shown that it's most effective when it is, you know, used in a therapeutic setting. A doctor and a therapist in a room, and it's not just like a one-timer thing. It, it It's a series of these, these, what the fuck am I trying to think? You know, microdosing, using the psychedelic medicine. Um, so if you're interested in learning more about that, episode 43, I had a guest that discussed the use of psychedelics to treat her trauma. So it's really interesting. And so now let's talk cults. Okay. So Louisa is going to be sharing about her experience in a sex cult called One Taste. What, what a name for a sex cult, right? So per the One Taste Wikipedia, it says, One Taste is a business dedicated to teaching the practices of orgasmic meditation and slow sex. Though it embraces ideas based in Eastern philosophy, One Taste's central focus is female orgasm through the practice called orgasmic meditation. So it's been around since uh, 2001, and it's essentially a cult. And uh, in 2018, after Bloomberg wrote this big expose, uh, the the FBI actually um, started probe on One Taste, and I'm pretty sure the investigation is still going on. But if you want to learn more about that, there's actually a podcast that the the BBC did about it. It was called the the Orgasm Cult. <laughs> so I'll include that um, in in the show notes as well. Trigger warning: uh, physical abuse. Nothing really graphic, but I guess I'll just say trigger warning on this episode, just in general. So let's do the damn thing. But first, we're having the Boundaries Workshop. Discovering Your Real Identity, Boundaries for Shit Shows with Barb Nangle on August 6th. See show notes for so you can get a ticket. And also, if you're not available then, you can also purchase the replay. Number two, Damn the Join Patreon, as I like to say, or Join the Dame Patreon, whichever one you you prefer. Uh, That is where I host three weekly Zoom support groups with some really awesome people. And it's also your way of saying, hey, thanks, Andrea. I'm going to be a good human to you. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Adult Child Pod. And of course, give me a damn five-star rating on Apple and Spotify. Thank you. She is looking for something. She don't to go. She is Welcome, Louisa, to the pod. Hi, hi, hi. You ready to do this? Buckle up. This is going to be quite the doozy. We have some pretty juicy topics. We're going to be talking about ayahuasca. We're going to be talking about sort of sex cults. Um, Okay, so let's start here. So guys, she just said that she got super angry this weekend um, and that it was more deeply rooted. So I said, hold the phone. Let's talk about this when we're recording. So tell us about your uh, acting out. 
I'll tell my acting out. Okay. I'll tell you about this weekend <laughs> and what, what's been going on, what's been leading up to it. So, oh, well, I guess um, we should first I'm, say that you're from, you live in Peru right now. Yeah. I'm from England and I spent some of my, I lived all over England and then I spent some time in the United States. And then for the last six years, I've been living in Peru since I was 22. So I'm 28 now, nearly 29. So almost my, my, my most significant portion of adult life so far has been spent here uh-huh. in the Sacred Valley. Of, and yeah, the Sacred Valley is a valley that is sacred. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. And so originally in the olden days, it was used as a, a, almost a corridor for people, pilgrims to walk through. They would walk from Cusco all the way to Machu Picchu and shed the layers of their ego or their whatever, as they think, whatever wasn't serving them until they reached the mystical site of Machu Picchu where they would, you know, ascend or become one with the gods or go into some deep commune with, with the divinity. Um, That's the ancient legend. And now it's a place where people do a lot of plant medicines. Mm -hmm. Um, to varying degrees of um, ethical, with de- varying ethics, let's say. Yes, and, which we will get into. Yeah, which is really, really important because I think that it's really important that we clean up the spiritual world mm. um, and, and start having like a lot of integrity in the spiritual world, especially around plant medicines and understand that as Westerners going to plant medicine, we are a traumatized culture. We're a culture Mm. that's disconnected from our nature and disconnected from our relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And the, now we're doing, we're consuming these entheogens, which have this ancient, ancient calling, you know, they're an ancient memory. They're an ancient realization that if you're you don't have the values and ethics and structure if you don't have the structure, the mental structure to be able to integrate and understand what is going on, it's it's very, 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 very bad. And the consequences are, are terrible. Mm. And um, yeah, it's one thing to like sit in a ceremony and, and listen to the shamans singing their songs and they blow you hape and they pour you the drink and they give it to you and they play more songs, you know, and it's another thing to then, you know, actually change your life. And mm. and for the shaman who gave you that medicine to support you in changing your life and really understand why you're doing what you're doing and and what's going on. And, and my experience has been that almost no one who is serving medicine has any intention of being there for you when you need it and mm. being your friend. Like they're, they're just there for you when you are giving them money yeah. and when you're like, oh yeah, look at this person who's like on the pedestal and is a guru. And then when you actually need them, which is when the healing is happening, when the healing and the healing crisis is taking place, which is the, where everything's shed and you have the ability to transform and step into a new version of yourself with support around you. That's when they're like, fuck that shit. You get back. You get back to your old ways. You don't be breaking mm. these. These. You don't break through these sound barriers. Like it's crazy. What's what goes on around here? And 
and and and and I and I know a lot of people with integrity have been scapegoated very frequently by being for being honest, and mm. they're made into the bad one and the demonic one and the evil one when they're the the, the honest one. They're the honest one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, do you want to talk about the? Would it make sense to talk about what recently happened before you say why yeah. you got angry? Is it connected? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very connected. Okay, it's pretty it's vulnerable um I was in love with someone who I was in love with a man who was is amazing in many ways and he was physically abused as a child and he physically abused me but because I was abused as a child as well I didn't even register it was going on for the longest time I was like Mm. for many months it was going on and I was like and then I told my friend about it because I realized oh my god I'm being abused I'm being physically abused. It's so crazy that I just didn't register mm. it or something. Mm. It was just normal. And um, and then basically we ended up drinking in ceremony together with this Russian woman who I really loved and who was who's very highly trained in the Yawanawa and the Hunikwin and and the um Shipibo traditions and also but also is western she seemed really cool but I I now looking back and even at the time I knew she was she's one of these people that's like you manifest everything like all those people the war in Ukraine like the Ukrainians all manifested it you know like it's just like where is your it's just so stupid you know where is your compassion like for these innocent people People. you know who didn't manifest, who who had, even if they did manifest it by being a Ukrainian, you know, yeah. and being in the wrong place at <laughs> one time, it's like, it's just so unhelpful. This manifesting thing, this is what it's, it's called spiritual bypassing. This is what it is. It's just a complete non, a lack of respect for the physical world and mm-hmm, a lack mm-hmm. of understanding of how to, account for our difficulties and Mm, mm -hmm. so he so he we were going to ceremonies and he the the abuse like got less and then and when you say pause when you say ceremony do you mean every time you're taking out ayahuasca is every ceremony an ayahuasca experience yes okay yes yes so she serves ayahuasca got it and yeah, it's like she's had beautiful songs and it was beautiful to be there singing with her. And um, But after the ceremony, so this is another red flag. Maybe this could be like a, a list of red flags for spiritual, if you're going into the spiritual world. So after ceremony, she would talk, she would start bitching about people in the community. She would just talk about people after the ceremony. It's, it was just really strange that she would do that and think Mm -hmm. that that is a proper way to behave as a medicine woman Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. after ceremony and Mm -hmm. um it's one thing to like tell stories and and you know make jokes and make everyone laugh or tell say share something vulnerable but just talking bad about other people it just Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. didn't feel right Uh no it's not right it's wrong and um, so she would do that. And then one day after a few months of this, um, my boyfriend at the time uh, uh, beat me up like very pretty seriously. 
Mm. Like he choked me and threw me on the ground and gave me a black eye and mm. then like dragged me along the floor by my hair and it was horrible. And then immediately after I went to, yeah, it was intense. That And that was it. That was in that moment. I was like, okay, it's done. I get it. Like this is never going to change. And um, I don't, and I felt, I don't want to, I grew up watching my mom be beat by my dad. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to grow up What if I have children with this guy. You know, I've come so close to breaking this cycle that I can't stop. I can't fall at the final hurdle, you know, like I have to leave this guy, mm-hmm. even though I love him. Mm-hmm. And um, because he can't control his temper. And that's one of the main jobs of a man is to control his ch- temper, you know. Mm-hmm. and to make him a safe person and also to be able to wield his his rage and his fury but to control his temper is very important and with a woman you know to protect women rather than to violate them, them. Mm-hmm. yeah and um so I went straight over to her house because she's like a 10 minute walk away and you know she saw me with this black eye she saw me covered in blood she saw me you know, pulling this shit out of my hair that had gone into my hair from him dragging me along the floor, you know, through the bushes. And and then the next, and, and then the next, she's, you know, I don't think she's ever been physically abused. So I don't think she knew how serious that is or something because I don't think she's ever been physically violated. That's, okay. this, is, this is me making it, yeah, it's yeah, not no. an excuse. No. I just think that's a fact. Okay. I just think she's never been physically violated or have, you know, so, and, and she's one of these people that is like, you know, you manifested it. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. You manifested it. Like you must've abused him in a past life. Like this kind of level, this is spiritual abuse. Like if you come to someone and say this happened and they say, well, you created that and you must have done that to them in your past life. And now you're paying for it by having it done to you. So that's, this is such toxic lies that keep people trapped in horrendous situations, feeling guilty and responsible for what they are not responsible for. So anyway, this is her mentality. So she basically ends up letting him move in with her (laughs) the next day because we were living together. So I, I don't know, this is me making an excuse again for her, but like, I guess she wanted to give him a place to stay because she felt sorry for him or something. But the consequences was that I couldn't go anymore to ceremony mm. because he was there. Mm-hmm. He was actually living in the ceremony room, the room that we were all doing, which is <laughs> also a crossing of boundaries because ceremony room shouldn't be, you shouldn't be sleeping in ceremony room because when you sleep in and, and you're... It's mixing the en- yeah, energy. Yeah, exactly. 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 You're mixing energy too, too unconsciously. But anyway, he was living in the ceremony room. So obviously I can go to ceremony. And then long story short, she ended up, going behind my back and like I I expressed I finally went to a ceremony after a week and a half of not seeing her living with her not me feeling so vulnerable recovering being beat up like also not being able to go and see my friend because my abusive 
ex-partner is there feeling like no one's really taking it that seriously and everyone's like oh no uh uh that you know and it's like no that's the line you know what I mean like I'm really feeling like we need to have more lines and boundaries in and maybe that's just a reflection of where I'm at which it obviously is but it's also in our culture of this lack of boundary of like oh well everything's kind of in this big melting pot of whatever and it's like no the line is men don't beat up women that's the line like the line is you don't sexually assault people that's the line you know there are these lines that's like so what so you're you go to another ceremony but like you know that he's gonna be there so why would you go no I asked her, well, okay, well, a couple of things in that. First of all, they were making out like I was being a drama queen for not wanting to sit in ceremony with him. They, because I, I, and I was saying, listen, I'm going to, I can't sit in ceremony with him. I'm going to fall, I'm going to fall back in love with him and forgive him and get back with him. And he's going to keep abusing me. I cannot go to ceremony. And they're just like, okay, Louisa, you know, oh, Louisa's, you know, making a drop, big, big drama she's just a drama queen, you know, and she manifested herself getting beat up anyway. So you know what I mean? So that was one aspect of it. I wasn't being validated at all or supported by the people that my sisters who were meant to support me. And then the other aspect of it was that, oh, so he, he agreed to leave. He was going to go stay somewhere else while I went and did ceremony, but it was almost like I was being the inconvenient one by making him leave. You know what Mm -hmm, I mean? mm -hmm. So I got there and I had a horrible ceremony where it was just like, I was so angry. I was so filled with rage. I don't know if you've ever had this rage where it just becomes like a rock, just like beyond anger. And you're just like a stone. It's like a stone or like Mm -hmm. a dead. It's so, it was so, I was so angry and, um, and and powerless it was like this combination of anger and powerlessness and like confronting this horrible denial you know that mm. there was no one that believed me no one believed me that this was serious no one was honoring that Is it kiki look at kiki he's so cute he's so he's so fat her kiki she's actually only she's, so she's only seven pounds actually really she's she just so really cute. little I know she okay. photographs like she's 30 pounds, but she's only seven. Okay. So, sorry, guys. I'm, I have, I'm sitting behind a window and Kiki's outside by the pool, living her best life. Sorry. Continue. She's happy. She's happy. Yeah. Um, so basically I shared how angry I was um, mm. with every, the whole situation after ceremony, I just shared, I'm so angry. I'm murderously angry because I'm from the 12 steps. So I'm used to being able to share how I feel and knowing mm-hmm. that people are just going to not take it seriously, really, or wonder how they can or allow you me. to have that. Yeah. Yes. And be like, oh my goodness, you're that angry. Yeah. I understand, you know, mm-hmm. but anyway, what she did was went and called the guy that I was living with and tell him that I was murderously angry and that I was a danger and that mm. I need, I, and that I'm demonically possessed, which is like the shaman's favorite thing to say. And it's like, if I'm demonically possessed, then either I'm demonically possessed and uh, you're not a shaman. Shamans mm. are meant to be able to take out and heal demons. So she called this guy that I was living with and told without calling me the next morning, I can't even remember what I said. 
I don't even know what I said. Okay. That was how out of it I was just after ceremony. She calls this guy and told that I, that was my landlord basically, or my friend that I was living with and tells him, you've got to get her out. She's a danger. She's going to burn down your house. She's going to murder mm. your dogs. She's going to do all these things. Like she's a, she's demonically possessed. So obviously this guy is freaks out completely freaked out because he trusted her he trusts her he still trusts this is your her. boyfriend the ex-boyfriend or no. your landlord okay no this is a this is my friend this is my friend who the, is the, the, is your landlord i mean he was you know my friend that i he owned the house but i was okay got it there with, got him, it. with my boyfriend my boyfriend moved out then i was living with him and another a couple of other people yeah and then there was this whole thing where he had a dream my my friend my landlord friend that i was that i threw a knife at him and it hit, he had a dream that i threw a knife at him and it hit him in the shoulder and because he was so revved up in all this panic and terror that this shaman lady had put him in and he told her uh, oh, louisa threw a knife at me in my dream i don't remember doing this in my dream i think he's just projecting you know because I remember my dreams and what I've been up to in them. And I don't remember doing that, but she <laughs> told him, she told him um, that I was aiming for his heart. And if I'd have hit his heart, I could have killed him. This is like a 38 year old woman telling a, a guy that, you know, and it's just this kind of mad, it's madness. It's, and then I have to, me you threw a knife at my heart in a dream and you were trying to kill me and you could have killed me and you have to defend yourself about against this <laughs> yeah. madness you know yeah i have to be like no i, I don't remember doing that I, I wasn't there i was you know i was accounted <laughs> for in someone else's dream you know it's, it's so insane it's so insane you know and this is just this is why I really feel these people around here need the 12 steps and why I trigger so many people because I'm like one of the only honest people here. Everyone mm. else is just so like, oh, wrapped up in their projections and they manifested that. So, yeah, like the other day, we're coming back full circle to my anger. Is, did, wait, did he kick you out? Yeah. And that's when you moved? Yeah, that was Got the name. Okay. And how far away are you now from there? We're in the same town still. Oh, okay. I thought you had moved. To We're all place. in Got the it. same tiny town. Got it. Okay. <laughs> like, it's not like San Francisco. It's like tiny, you know. So this past weekend, um, so this was a few, a couple of months ago, and I've been really um brooding on it and trying to, you know, do my things to stop brooding on it and move on with my life. Yet there's some things you can't resolve, and I. It's very difficult to move on when someone has violated you through a very traumatic situation and you're still living in the same place. It's very, very difficult because I see her around and she wear she wears the jack the clothes that I gave her and you know, I I, I and I just see her, you know, and mm -hmm. I'm like, hi, you know, like I you're talking you think <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, like hi bitch. 
you know, and, 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 and meanwhile, I'm dealing with this rage, you know, this mm -hmm. rage of being violated and this is wrong. This is not okay. Like I, and I was nice to this woman. I helped this woman. I gave this woman money. I paid her. I raised money for her. I was her friend. I wrote a bunch of stuff to help her, you know, and her, her healing thing. And this is how she repays me. Like by, you know, this level, it's ridiculous. Well, she's clearly um, a very sick person. If she was the sick person that was admitting that she was sick, like how we do every time we go to a meeting and we're like, hey, you know, I'm fucked up. I did all these bad things and I'm not really, I'm ashamed or I, I need help or whatever, but she's not. She's a sick person pretending that she's healed and is a healer and that she doesn't have time to sick people and she doesn't have any sickness in her life and she's fucking great and perfect and we should all pay her money because she is some maestra on high like heralded heralding the new earth and aren't we lucky to be in her presence and there's so many people like that this is this that is what's wrong with the spiritual world mm -hmm. that is what's wrong with the spiritual world how does one become a shaman? Like, does she just say that she is, or did she have to like do something in order to get that title? I mean, great question. I mean, some people do online courses and have a certificate and they, that's how they say that they've become a shaman. Um, I mean, her journey was a, a lot more legitimate than that. And I do still believe and consider that she has significant healing powers um just she's just that she has a big blind spot you know but she's very gifted in terms of the songs the songs of the plants she has mm. a very deep connection with the met the plant medicine and um okay. and has done a lot of dietas which is where you follow a very restrictive diet and a very restrictive lifestyle lifestyle exactly mm -hmm in order to, and then um, drinking and consuming one particular plant or multiple plants in order to really receive the message, usually one plant in order to receive the message and guidance and training of that plant. So she's done a lot of that. And, and I respect her. Um, I respect her in that. Um, she's not all bad. It's just in terms of trauma, which is really what I think we're dealing with in this day and age at least that's what i think i'm dealing with and what i see all around me i and plants can help with that plants can definitely help with that um because they connect us to nature and to our own nature and like that she is doing it combined with this very profound spiritual bypassing it's it's like this manifestation you created everything and and so you know just to pull the plug on myself I attacked her in the street at like eight in the morning you know I wake up this weekend so this weekend oh my god that's what I did that's what I did and I never just I've never done that in my life like I've never and I'm not saying that she's the worst person I've ever met in my life but I've th been through this before where I've been abused and the community or a bunch of people haven't, uh, my friends have turned against me. My close friends have turned against me and which there have been more people. There are more people involved in this that have, you know, separated themselves from me and continue to be friend with my ex and drink in ceremony with them and look at me like I'm, I fucking made punt gave myself the black eye, you know, and I've been in this situation and I'm telling you, it doesn't go away. 
that that when you've been violated and had a community turn against you or any one or two people unfairly turned against you and you haven't even been given the chance to defend yourself and they're saying that you you did everything and you're guilty and you're responsible when you were the only you were the decent person in that and they just straight scapegoated you it doesn't go away and the last time this happened to me it took me two years of suffering and fighting myself fighting the urge to defend myself and and get justice for myself you know and 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 in the whole situation and i i'm still not really over it. i've just kind of let it go and i think i i mean i'm not proud of what i did i'm not proud that i attacked her but i'm also not sorry i'm also kind of like yeah i did that because i needed to do that and 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 what is she going to tell now she's going to say that she manifested her being attacked you know what i mean like because if if she's following her own rules then she manifested herself getting attacked just how i manifested it so i hope that now she's going to look a bit deeper and realize that we're power, that there's things that are out of our control and i'm not mm -hmm. saying she should have just taken my side it is not like that it's complicated mm -hmm. i get it but like the way she handled it is it was so wrong and like when I reached out to her, her just saying that she's not talking to me because I'm demonically possessed, that is so wrong and so unkind and so delusional, so much denial about that. And so I did it for a reason so that you, because when you get attacked, you're physiologically in terror. Like your body is physiologically in a state, like it's not something that your mind can so easily control. And I wanted her to experience that as well, because that was what I was going through. And, and she was giving him a home, you know, she was protecting and defending this. So I'm not justifying myself. I'm just explaining that that's why I did that. And I, ho I hope I, I, yeah. Was there really that thought process behind it? Or did you literally, you have this, I don't know if it's trauma that served. I mean, to me, it sounds more like it was a very impulsive action, which I guess they could understand more versus like you planning out like, oh, I got to because I don't I don't know. I don't. She's a very sick person, clearly. Right. I think it's I think it's a little bit um, delusional on your part to think that by you doing that, that she's going to see things differently or you know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah, think that yeah. you can do something like that with somebody who's clearly very disturbed. I don't think it works that way. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, yeah. And, and I admit, I, I totally, I think it's both. Like it was definitely an impulse. It was definitely an impulse reaction. And I actually, I take, I didn't actually go to attack her. I didn't actually go to attack her, but I saw her and it, and I, it happened and I, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it's just like wishful thinking that she's going to yeah. see things differently. Like she's not. Yeah. <laughs> and you probably no, just yeah. gave her more yeah. fuel to the fire, but I'm not judging you for doing it. I, I understand. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I think my, mainly now I'm on the other side of it and I feel so much better having done it, <laughs> like weirdly better. Like I feel like I have taken back some of what was taken from me mm. and I was feeling physically unsafe and because I'd been violated and now I don't feel physically unsafe anymore. I feel like I feel okay. 
So I guess my next question would be, you, you know, this isn't your kind of, I mean, this is an extreme case, but you said, you know, that you had been through something similar and that it took you a long time to get over it. I mean, why be there if it's such a kind of an unsafe community and environment? Why stay there? Because it's amazing. (laughs) Because it's incredible. It's so beautiful. The nature is just gorgeous. It's full of crystals and amazing people. I I have so many more friends than I do enemies. You know, like all my friends and my friends are wonderful people. The food is so good. Um, there's rivers everywhere. There's the jungle really close by, and I and I'm really connected with the medicine. You know, I I I've and I have a lot of medicinal friends who work with plants, um, both psychedelic and not psychedelic, and having their own gardens and know have a lot of ancient wisdom, and yeah, it's nothing like this. So next thing, next food for thought would be that while. I don't think that we, we manifest like being in a, um, abusive relationship. I do think that we are put, we are put in relationships and situations as opportunities to heal what is unresolved. And so this just happened. So you know, I think that a lot of the times it takes some time to get some perspective, but I think that there's clearly a bigger lesson here for you to learn, um, especially if this happened in the past, not the being physically beat up, but kind of like being in a community, like where you were scapegoated and ostracized and just kind of what happened with that woman. Like this obviously was a very extreme experience. And so in my opinion, there's some sort of a a big nugget for you here and something that you're supposed to, you know, take away from that, you know, whether it's, you're not, um, maybe you don't have a good read on people or you're staying in communities that are unsafe, like with that, you're sensing are unsafe, but you're, whether it's like you have a desire to like feel a part of or whatever it is, but there's some, there's something here for you. That's like, you know, deep, um, and unresolved that has, it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, a couple, just two thoughts on that. Um, yes, absolutely. Um, but there was something you said that I just want to clarify or correct is that this is not an extreme situation. This is pretty, this is kind of mild, like in, in the shamanic world, people are constantly violated, raped, manipulated, done, done serious damage to in the shamanic community. So, well, I think just because it happens often doesn't mean that it's not extreme. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Sorry. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, I still think it's like a pretty, you know, it is. Yeah. No. Yeah. Thanks. It's true. It's true. I completely agree. It's completely extreme. Um, so the second, so the sec, I mean, really, honestly, my takeaway from this is I'm not having sex again. <laughs> okay. Well, let's give it some time. Cause I think that there's something deeper there, my dear. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think that's as deep as it goes. Like that is the deepest that it goes. I have the reason that I've been in these situations is because I've given myself to men too soon without 
doing a proper judgment of their character, which has taken away all my power. Because once you give a man sex and you're giving it to him regularly and you don't have the ability to stop it, you've lost all your power. Like a man isn't going to respect you if you do that. And I, and that's, that's what I, that's been all of these experiences that I've had. Every negative experience I've ever had has revolved around sex. Okay. But I think it's, it's a lot deeper than that. Your picker's fucked up, (laughs) you know, like there's something to be, that needs to be healed. I don't think it's about sex. Like, yeah, I think it's about the type of people that you're attracted to and that are attracted to you. And I mean, that's like the situations that I was in. So I really don't think it's about it's, I think it's just more like it a hundred percent. It totally makes things different. It that's, I mean, it's, that's, I don't know if you know who the crappy childhood fairy is. Um, but she Mm -hmm. talks about that. It's like, once you have sex, those of us with complex PTSD, I mean, the attachment that that creates in our brain is really, really intense. So we definitely need to wait, but there's more to it because it's not just like, she's talking about it more from the sense of, yeah, we lose our peace of mind. Um, we get attached too quickly. There's that element of it, but there's also the element of like, you're being, you're attracted to like really toxic people. Oh, 100%. And so I don't really think it's really about, yeah, like you should wait to have sex. Like that's something I think most of us like should do that are adult children, just because we get attached so easily, but that's not really what it's like. That's part of it. Um, but the other part is like, there's more inner work for you because of who the people are. Like I had this woman on, I don't know if you've listened to it. She was like an attachment expert. And so she was saying that she didn't take a break from dating. Cause she's like, I just needed to work on this stuff through relationships. But her thing was, is that she wasn't being attracted to people that were toxic. She was, she was anxious and she was attracted to avoidant. But that was pretty much their only flaw was that they were avoidant. And I was like, okay, but for people like me, I'm attracted to alcoholic, emotionally unavailable avoidance, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's a little different. Like I need to do this inner work to work on my self-worth and what are those like inner beliefs about myself that are causing me to be attracted to people like that. It's much more than just like, I'm attracted to somebody who has an avoidant attachment style. And so I think mm-hmm. that that's where it is for you. You're being attracted to somebody who's physically abusive to you. I don't really think it has sex makes it much more complicated, but there's like some, there's some beliefs inside of you that would cause you to be attracted to somebody like that. Well, yeah, my, my dad, mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I didn't realize what it was even abuse because it was what my dad, my did, dad did. So I basically recycled through all of my, my entire childhood with, with men, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, but I think that that doesn't mean that you can't heal and have a healthy relationship one day. That's what I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, I don't want you to like okay. limit yourself. Okay. Like I can't have sex. Like, no, oh, that's not, that's yeah. not the issue. <laughs> like the issue is like your shit that needs to be healed and resolved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you can't. Yeah. And guess what? You might yeah. still like lose yourself when you have sex. Um, but that's stuff that you can work through. But first we need to figure out what the hell's going on deep within you 
Exactly. And that's what I mean by first, which means that I can't have sex until yes, I've, agreed. I've really, really. Well, you said never it. again. You said never again. Yeah, yeah. Ever, yeah, ever. yeah. I was, I was joking. <laughs> I was joking. Kind of. Kind of. No, maybe, you, you know. No, kind of. Yeah, no, I wasn't. It's like if I can't figure this out and if I can't like meet a man that will respect me enough to wait for me and, well, and that I, if I can't get to the bottom and I'm not attracted to men who are healthy and good men, yeah, never, mm-hmm. never. I agree. would rather I agree. Not. Okay. Right. Well, like, let's, yeah. yeah, but I have confidence. That, I have confidence in you that yeah, you can thanks, work through your shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Me too. Me um, too. So let's talk about your childhood. Oh, gosh. If you're given your ACA share, what would you want to say? My mom and dad weren't married. They, my dad was married to another woman when he had an affair with my mom and she got pregnant with me. And my mom was actually very successful um, and wealthy, not very wealthy, but successful. And my dad was kind of like a bum. And, and they, she always told me that she should have left him. That that was like her biggest mistake and that she could have left him and she, cause he was already, she could have left him because she had the resources and she should have left him because he was abusing her, but mm-hmm. she didn't have the strength, you know? And, and I think I've dealt a lot with that inheritance mm-hmm. as a woman who doesn't have this, that, that is something very deep in, in that I have to work on. And so did he, was, did you grow up with both of them in the house your whole childhood? Yeah. Um, I grew up, they were both. So my dad ended up, he was, he became an attorney when I was about, so up until the age of about four, we were very, very poor um, because, or we just had the money my mom made working part-time and my dad made working part-time. Um, But my dad was studying to become a lawyer um, for the first couple of years of my life. However, my grandparents, his parents had money, so they sent me to a private school. So from a very young age, I had this division in me of of, of rich rich school and the reality Uh we were living in one room. Mm. Yeah, like we lived in one room, the entire ceiling fell in. We didn't have a dishwasher. We didn't have a, a washing machine. We didn't have a car. We would walk like two miles to wash our clothes and walked everywhere. Wow. And, and often that we didn't have food, but I was going to this very wealthy school. So it was very strange. And then, um, then uh, at some point, my dad started working and he started doing very well and he climbed up the the ladder and he started working um for you know the mi5 and the mi6 and doing these top secret cases and uh, traveling a lot and that was when i was about six years old six or seven six seven eight years old during that time my mom got pregnant and had my sister and then, then when I was eight years old was when they decided to, that they would have a divorce. Got it. And 
So for about my eighth year, they were in negotiations. And then when I was about nine years old, the court case started, which was probably, probably, honestly, my biggest trauma ever. Mm. Like, it was a decade long court case. Mm. It was, it cost a million pounds in total. And it drained our life, it destroyed everything. My dad was trying to get me away from my mom um, because my dad is a whole situation of like problems. And he, I think he wanted to control me pretty much. And, and so he basically poisoned my mind against my mom. And I was always a daddy's girl. So, but I needed my mom and I needed, and, and it was, I mean, God, it was just a disaster. But um, yeah, the, my mom got horribly depressed and became an alcoholic and just kind of drinking herself, you know, to death really. And, and hadn't, it was very, very sad. And my dad was just ma- maniacal with, with rage and control and the need to, to dominate, you know, me and my mother and, and control uh, and, and money. It was so much about money and my money and he didn't want to pay child support that was like a huge thing he didn't want to pay child support so he was trying to get me away from my mom so that he didn't have to pay child support and my mom played it very badly because she asked for too much so it was Mm -hmm. just like a mess and and I didn't really I mean it never really ended until I left home so were you living mostly with your dad I was living completely with my dad from the age of 10 wow and would you see your mom at all almost my the, it got so bad that I almost never saw my mom and I almost never spoke to her mm-hmm. and and my dad and it was very very sad for my mom and, and very sad for me as well but I I didn't understand uh, that I was being used as a weapon and so then when did you start acting out when I was 12 <laughs> When I was 12, yeah, I started um, drinking. I, I, when I was 12, I actually drunk myself into a coma mm. and woke up in a brain scanning machine. Oh, my God. And Were you drinking yeah, alone? No, I went to a park and got drunk with my friends. Okay. And do you my know what happened? Friends. Yeah, they, I was running away to try and find my mom. Mm. My God, I've never even said that out loud. Yeah. I was, they told me this, that I kept running away to say, I'm going to, I'm trying to find my mummy. I want to find my mummy. Mm. And them being drunk teenagers tied my feet up <laughs> um, so that I couldn't run anymore. But I tried to run and I just fell on my head and like gave myself a concussion. And, and then like started being sick. And I actually, okay, I would say the super embarrassing thing. Apparently, I don't even remember this. And it was a long time ago, but I actually they put they brought me to one of the guy they brought me to one of the guys' houses that we were with. Um, and they put me on the sofa and they I shit myself on his sofa. Nice. This guy, I don't even know who this guy is. Like I couldn't even call him and say sorry. He wasn't even like my friend. <laughs> While they was waiting for the ambulance to come and pick me up. Nice. You go, girl. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so that went on for about 
a year and a half, I would say, that kind of craziness. Um, but it never, I never drunk myself into another coma. That was, I learned my limit that time. Mm. And, but I was hanging out with older people and kind of like the wrong crowd. And um, my dad ended up meeting a woman in, uh, who lived on the other side of the country. She lived up north. Mm-hmm. about five hours drive away so and he met her and they and he decided he wanted to live with her so me and my dad moved up north um to a town called eagles cliff actually in a in the in yorkshire mm-hmm. and um actually in a in in middlesbrough not yorkshire yorkshire is just below it was in a the district it was called middlesbrough and she yeah and then and then I went to I went to a I mean I went to a private school and I wasn't in Essex anymore so it was very different and it was like they were like they you know their mum would drop them off in you know with their lunchbox in her four by four and she'd be like you know have a wonderful day I'll see you in six hours honey pot Mm -hmm. you know and and that was just not the environment that I had come from and um, being in, in a, in a, in a public school and, you know, with many, many, many people. And I went from being, you know, in a school with thousands of people to being in a school with 40 people in a year. And, and everyone went knew each other from the time, you know, they were four years old, there were children going to the same school. So there was like very deeply defined social structures. And I just did not fit in like, I was like a threat and I was challenging and I was just like, I got ended up getting really seriously bullied. And, um, and, and obviously my home life was a mess. And then I, I started um, starving myself. Mm. <laughs> so that was, um, yeah, a, a whole thing as well that I guess I'm still learning to understand is my relationship with food and my body. <laughs> so many things. So everything is everything. I mean, I'm I'm feeling now a lot of forgiveness for myself for the mistakes that I've made. And and also feeling a lot of space that I don't know. Often in these moments I didn't know what was the right choice to make mm-hmm. and part of that was not being raised properly a big part of that was so so that bad things are familiar to me like violence and anger and aggression is is normal for me and I feel just a lot of it when they talk about the 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 12th step is we have a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. Mm-hmm. And that is just the infinite mystery. And that is where we return to our heart and we return to our bodies and we return to the present moment and time kind of stands still and we can be with all of ourselves and, and accept everything just as it is. And it's completely beautiful and completely perfect it but it takes so much journey to get there it takes so much suffering 
to reach that point and I get it in moments you know I have it in like there's maybe if I'm lucky I have you know an hour a day if I'm lucky I have an hour a day where I feel like that uh, but I know people who have that all the time they're mm-hmm. always living in that state of peace and serenity and and just letting life unfold and you know, I've read a lot of books about the Tibetan book of living and dying and, mm-hmm. and these, you know, ascended masters. And a lot of these people are really impulsive people. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of them are very childlike in the way that they respond to stuff. And you would never expect them to be a spiritual master. And you would think a lot of people, if you don't have the eyes to see them, you mistake them for a child or a, or a, a crazy person. And, and I think, yeah, I mean, that's something I've had a whole relationship with this is this word crazy. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm just feeling my heart a lot right now. And I'm feeling a lot of forgiveness for every and acceptance for how acceptance for how things are and it not needing to harden me, but it can transform me and I can grow alongside the world. Let's talk about when you found out about um, ACA and like that you were an adult child. Okay. So the first time I came to an ACA meeting, I was so paranoid that I was, because I was in a cult already. This is like, people are going to think that I just like paid you. Like yeah. this seems so <laughs> ridiculous. So let's go in. Okay. Sorry guys. This is quite a show. Um, so let's tell my life and it's like, what? Yeah. You're like, what the fuck? Um, yeah. And we still have material that just happened like a couple days ago. Yeah. So, um, hopefully we can stop adding to the story. No, I'm kidding. Um, so let's talk about, um, why don't you talk about how you got to be a part of this cult? One taste. So you were, you were living in London, correct? I was living in London and you are what? Yeah. You're pretty young, like 19? I was 19. Okay. And I was basically living kind of on the streets, kind of off this kind of squatting, um, and very heavily addicted to all drugs, just any drug. I never did heroin, um, but I was very addicted to drugs. And I was pretty much doing whatever I could to get by and survive and doing lots of drugs. Then I was getting drunk at a bar at like 12 in the afternoon or something, or like three, maybe like two in the afternoon, let's say. And <laughs> That's a little bit. <laughs> let's just say two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and this guy approached me and he said, you know, we're having this event on female orgasm. Well, okay, this is how it went. He said, um, what are you doing tonight? And I said, why are you asking? And he <laughs> said, because we're having an event on female orgasm down the road. And so I grabbed the flyer out of his hand and I said, and that was pretty much it. Like I went to the event. I was like hook, line and sinker. Like, this is my life part. Like, I was just like, so what take- can you, what did they talk about at the event? They talked about this practice called orgasmic meditation, which is a practice that's focused on the woman's clitoris and stroking the woman's clitoris um, for 15 minutes 
in order to um yeah it's it's wild but they seem so happy about it and they seem so <laughs> and alive and vibrant and just like magical and it was so cool and then they did these exercises where everyone had to reveal parts of themselves you know and I was just like oh my goodness this is my family this is my home this is my life this is my everything you know I bought the course I was just yeah hook line and sinker gone and and then I couldn't get sober from drugs and my whole life was just such a mess and I went into a mental hospital and but I was kind of going in and out of 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 this relationship with this one taste cult orgasmic meditation during the practice which was just so revealing this practice was just like so vulnerable and um, and all the people there were these big there was this big house in um, Wilsdon Green in London and there was all I think about 30 people that lived there all the time and um, many many people from all over London from would come to visit and stay and all over actually Europe there would be constant visitors and coming and and uh, they had obviously the headquarters in San Francisco. So there was a bunch of people that they moved from San Francisco over to London to kind of get the London community starting. So there was like constantly food and games and intimacy exercises and yoga and orgasmic meditation and people having sex and people doing angel Reiki healing and, and people making each other laugh. And it was just so deep. It was so deep and I was basically, they adopted me after I, I left mental hospital. They, they said, come and live with me, come and live with us. That I should go and live with them. So I did. And then one thing led to another. I ended up going to New York and doing this coaching program. Um, but it was all so dark and convoluted, you know, and it's particularly around the money. For me, it, all of the issues really came with the money and the power and the like need these women like were so traumatized. Every, all the women involved high up were very traumatized as children. And um, what kind yeah. of money were they asking for? Uh, I think the coaching program, which was uh, essentially 12 weekends in over tw no it was nine weekends over nine months and that I think was 12,000 pounds and but they if you were hanging around in the community they would be constantly pressuring you or like encouraging you to buy these very expensive courses like okay you know mastery there would be these orgasm mastery that was like a week long intensive that was like I don't know five thousand dollars um something like that and and yeah there was definitely i mean yeah money so then you ended up in san francisco and i yeah i ended up in san francisco and there i was living in one taste on a scholarship i had somehow we like did did some witchcraft on the visa the the government visa company let me through that where i was not qualified to have a visa in the united states but we did it and I was there and I was doing yoga and I was meditating and praying a lot and going to a lot. That was when I really got into the 12 steps. 
and and ACA and realized because ACA 12 steps was a huge part of one taste. Okay. Was it everyone interesting? Yeah. Yep. Yep. All different, all different types of like, like, was it mostly like people going to AA or all no, different? no, no. Everyone, everyone was going to different ones. Code, codependency anonymous, sex and love addicts anonymous was a big uh-huh. one. Sex addicts anonymous, but there was a huge movement of people in the upper. It actually began with um, uh, one of the um, one of the leaders, one of the authority uh-huh. positions, um, got into beat up his girlfriend and then got into ACA. Did like an ACA rehab. Got it. And kind of brought this message of ACA to one taste. And many people who, you know, didn't resonate with a 12-step program specifically before, they really resonated with ACA. And yeah, I remember going to my first meeting, 2727 Berkeley Avenue. It's such a beautiful meeting there and just so much recovery and people who, you know, that people would just share things in their life that was so difficult to bear and they would share them with so much grace and integrity and and like they were really dealing with it you know in mm-hmm, such a deep mm-hmm. meditative way and I was so impressed by that and but I I really thought they were like trying to I thought it was another cull and I was because I was so taken by it again I was so taken by it and I actually thought they were they I I even remember thinking that the laundry list like someone was like spying on me and (laughs) (laughs) but then after like three meetings I remember thinking oh no this is just what they say like this is all of us here okay that's a relief what traits do you resonate with the most or what were some of them do you want me to pull it up yeah, no, I, I I always resonated with that one of we got guilt feelings when we stood up for one another, well, mm. when we stood up for ourselves mm. instead of giving in to others because I'm 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 a bit it doesn't sound it sounds like I'm some angry like <laughs> take what's mine bitch, but I'm a huge people pleaser. Like mm-hmm. I hate I hate this kind of trouble. You mm-hmm. know, like this is why I need to put an end to it. We need to I need to put a stop to it. So that because it's it's not good, you know, and but I always had yeah major problems, you know, sticking up for myself and saying what I needed. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. Y- you, mm, the abandonment ones. We will. We're we're. What does it say? We're dependent personalities who are terrified of abandonment and will do anything to stay in a relationship in order not to experience painful abandonment yeah. feelings, which we experience <laughs> from living with sick people who are never there for us. <laughs> <laughs> me, me. Um, yeah. So, so then did you start like work in the program and you got yeah, it, you were I, on board? I was on board. I, I was working the program and I, I was healing a lot, but I didn't, I, I couldn't get to the bottom of something. There was mm-hmm. something I couldn't get to the bottom of. And I kept hearing that I needed, I kept hearing the word ayahuasca. Mm. I kept hearing that word over and over that I needed to drink ayahuasca. Who was and telling you that? It was in my head. It was in my head. The word okay. kept coming up. Um, just, you know, when you keep thinking about something, I just kept mm-hmm, thinking mm-hmm. about it. And then, yeah, finally I did. 
after a, a, yeah, about six months of hearing about, thinking about it and hearing about it. Did you go, and, sorry, we're like one of the only houses that has a fucking landline still. Um, <laughs> do, did, um, did you go down to South America to do it or did you do it in San Francisco? I did it first in Santa Cruz and um, that was very, that was very, that was very beautiful actually. And then in that ceremony, I heard about the Sacred Valley. And I remember thinking, oh my God, there's a, I need to go to this Sacred Valley. I don't know why, I just have to go and live there. So, and then, and, and no, and just a bit before that, I had the message from the moon. I took, I took LSD at Disneyland for my birthday. My sobriety was already kind of like, I wasn't really sure anymore what, what it was. <laughs> yeah. And, and because as well, I, I didn't really resonate with any of the, the addiction based programs. I, uh -huh. I really resonated with ACA though. Uh -huh. And, and so I wasn't really sure what to be abstinent from, uh -huh. you know, uh -huh. and it seemed like I wasn't ready to be abstinent from all of it. Uh -huh. So I was kind of like, maybe I'll just do a little bit of each in moderation because I'm, I, I was addicted to all kinds of drugs. I was addicted to alcohol. I was, it, it had money problems. I had sex problems and, uh, and I was very codependent, but all of that comes under ACA. So I just kind of thought I'll just try and kind of come back to myself and try and do less of the abusive aspect of those things and um and see see if see how that goes and see you know if that helps me so i i was doing lsd because i also heard that that um bill w who took the 12 mm -hmm, steps mm -hmm. he mm -hmm. did he did lsd um to so i i was very curious about that and um so we did lsd me and my husband at the time no he wasn't my husband yet it was like a month before we got married <laughs> this is so good uh, oh my god it's so embarrassing so we took lsd at disneyland on my on my 22nd birthday mm -hmm. and it was amazing I it bet. was amazing <laughs> It was so amazing and crazy because like the mind of Walt Disney was incredible. Mm -hmm. You know, his mind was just like a fountain of brilliance and beauty and st magical storytelling. And then you, everyone, everyone there was just the most heaviest, densest, illest, dysfunctional, diseased, you know? So it was like, it was really distinct two two distinct worlds happening mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and <laughs> and then at the end of that day I, we it was the blood moon it was this the 27th of september gosh 2015 it was the blood moon my birthday and i was looking that we were both looking at the blood moon from like the little caterpillar ride by the mm -hmm. by the end of the night we're like let's just go on the little caterpillar ride what a day that was <laughs> and I'm looking at the blood moon and the moon goes Peru. And mm. I was like, whoa, did, did the moon just tell you Peru? And my boyfriend was like, no. And I was like, it just told me Peru. And he was like, maybe you should go and live there. And I was like, yeah, do you want to go? And he was like, no. And I was <laughs> like, okay. But we still got married. I don't know what, 
the hell that was all about. But well, it was about a green card, really. I did love him. He was someone that I really loved. But he, yeah, it was. We got married for a green card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which didn't work out. And then I ended up coming. And then I went to Ecuador, and I was living on this permaculture farm, um, run by these two British lesbians. Uh, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was so fun and and earthy, you know. And no wo- no Wi-Fi, no mobile connection. You're just out in nature, like with the, your hands in the earth, like growing your own food and being part of farm life. It's so nourishing after being in the city. And and then yeah, I, I ended up coming down to the Sacred Valley, and I've been here pretty much ever since. So. One of the things that you said to me when we were talking last week was that, you know, just with that recent experience that occurred is like that, just the whole thing of like spiritual bypassing and how, I guess what I hear from your story and what is common for so many of us is like, like, you know, searching for something outside of ourselves to heal. Where are you there with that? Like, it sounds like you know, that there's, um, perhaps what you've been trying to do is like, in a sense, kind of avoiding really getting to what needs to be looked at, you know? I, I don't think so. Honestly, I no. I think that we do need stuff outside of ourselves because we belong to the world. I don't, I think that phrase of like, you know, you're looking for something outside of yourself. It's like, yeah, I'm looking to be, I'm looking for, I mean, okay, so yeah, there's things like that you can't, that you have to have the inside thing, right? That's what, that's what that phrase is really saying is you have to have the inside thing. And even if you have all the outside things, if you don't have the inside thing, you're still not going to be happy. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't, I, I really feel like as humans beings, we belong to the world. And mm. I think that as as someone i we don't realize as people who have chosen to live a spiritual life how mm-hmm. much pri- privilege that mm. we've got in order to be able to decide you know actually i don't really care that much about money like oh i i actually don't really care about getting ahead and being on top because i've got every because we've got our food we've got our shelter you know mm-hmm. we and that's the problem is we've got our food we've got our shelter we've got everything we kind of need but like for me the thing that I'm looking for outside myself that is causing me the biggest pain when I don't find it is is friendship Mm. and connection Mm -hmm. and honesty Mm -hmm. from other people and I think that's what I'm running into is and 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 I don't know what the answer is I have you know and I'm learning how -hmm. to deal with this and I guess the answer is to be the bigger person and and like I, I just fucked up this weekend, you know. Like I attacked someone to kind of regain my power, and and I didn't need to do that. Like I guess, even though mm-hmm. I feel like I did, you know, mm-hmm. I, I guess mm-hmm. I didn't. And and an enlightened being wouldn't have done that. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like the bet. I, I feel like I did it because I was. I wanted to be honest, and and mm-hmm. I wanted to be real, and I, I don't like the spiritual bypassing of like 
the world, it doesn't matter what's going on in your world. It doesn't matter how true people treat you. It that is the biggest lie. I am that is a lie from the pit of hell. It doesn't matter how people treat you. If someone that that someone who says that has never been hurt, like mm-hmm. to, to the point where you can't get over it, where it hurts so bad that you can't move on, and, and everyone tells you, Oh, let go, let go. What well, chop my leg off and become a become an amputee, like let go of my leg. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah. I I care. These are my family. These are my friends. I love this person. I'm emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, like socially connected with this person. And we are human beings down to our core. We are social down to our core. And 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 how we are, how we're respected and cared for by other people has a profound impact on on how we feel about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And that's what I, that's what I think spiritual bypassing, that's for me, the most toxic trait of spiritual bypassing that thing of like, it doesn't matter how anyone treats you. Uh, whereas they should be saying, how dare that person treat you like that? Mm-hmm. I'm going to ha- I've, I've got your back. And for the sake of the goodness in that person, I'm going to go and tell that person that you shouldn't be up women. That mm-hmm. it's wrong. That I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to give you a place to stay because you shouldn't be beating up anyone, let alone my friend. But instead, mm-hmm. no, she's going and telling people that I did it to myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. So it's what do you want for your, like, when you look at your future or I don't know, like, what's a hope or a dream that you have? That's so nice. Um, I really love being around plants and I want to grow lots of plants. I, I live in a, a, a really beautiful um, penthouse. It's a penthouse suite <laughs> and um, it's got tons of windows and tons of light. And I really want to grow lots of plants and um, tell, tell them my problems. Tell them their problems. <laughs> That's a good idea. Apparently they love that. <laughs> apparently they love that because apparently problems, the yang energy and plants are very yin. Mm-hmm. So the plants absorb yang energy of, of your problems. I love yeah. it. Well, this has been so out. This has been one of my favorite conversations because this oh. is like what I like to do is just like talk about like weird shit, crazy shit and have <laughs> conversations and challenge each other and just have an honest chat. So uh, this yeah. has been a wild one indeed. Oh, thank you. I feel like we just scratched the surface and yeah, I'm, I'm well, on it. More will be revealed. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, my Everything. dear. Yes. Thank you. Babe. Well, that wraps up today's episode. You're welcome. How are you feeling? That was a little bit intense, huh? I want to know what y'all thought. Let me know what your thoughts were. I loved it. I love having conversations about all sorts of shit like this. You know, I did this exercise. I don't know if I ever shared about this on the pod, but I did this thing where I wrote down, um, cause I, I've shared the quote that really had a big impact on me. It was, you know, where passion, purpose, and skill collide, true bliss resides. And so like one of the things that I said I was passionate about was like all 
seedy topics. So like drugs and sex and homelessness and crime and cults. So this combo was right up my alley. It was really fulfilling my addicted to excitement trait. Um, what else? I don't know, guys. I got a bunch of interviews kind of already recorded or I'm going to be recording in the next few days. So lots of, lots of goodies coming your way. Um, damn the join Patreon. You guys, these groups are so fucking good. And I'm not just saying that. And for any of you guys that are listening that attend the groups, you know how much I love you. And just seeing the community built between each other and the relationships being built and just how fucking vulnerable and honest people are. I want to give a shout out to Karen, who was so vulnerable and honest today. And I just love you guys so fucking much, truly, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for being my friends. Um, And hit a girl up, Andrea, at adultchildpodcast.com, or you can hit me up on Instagram. And I will see you shit shows next week for another fucking amazing episode of Adult Child. It's going to be super awesome, super vulnerable. Super excited for y'all to hear it. It's going to be a kidding. Let it